It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also follow him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. New year. Uh, still the same old talk at this point. We, we still got Jason Garrett as the coach. So we're, we're going to kind of continue our review of 2019 until... Uh, until 2020 actually officially starts, I guess. Did you make any uh, New Year's resolutions this year, Landon? <clears throat> I, I made resolutions that I wasn't going to argue with people on Twitter this year, and I've already already broken <laughs> it. Right, like, that's that, that's a pretty bold one right there. I made, I made the resolution not to talk about running backs anymore on Twitter. I'm just just not going to do it. That's, that's not that's, worth it. That's ridiculous. You're never going to – like, you won't I'm make it that week. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do my best, but – um. So coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Cowboys' offense in 2019. We're going to do a general review, talk about what went right, what went wrong, uh, what they need to improve on. But before we do that, we need to preface this with uh, the fact that we're still waiting on Jason Garrett. We're recording this on Thursday morning. Uh, no new news about Garrett. Again, as soon as we get any news, whether he's staying, whether he's going, uh, we will make sure that we do a podcast filling you guys all in on that, on potential coaching replacements, uh, and any news that comes out of that. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about the Cowboys offense from this year. Uh, Landon, I was just pulling up some stats here, uh, and the Cowboys finished first in total yards this year. They actually finished 400 yards above the, the Baltimore Ravens. They were like fourth in points, uh, total points. Um, I'm looking at the net passing yards. They were uh, second in net passing yards. They're the only team in football to have 4,000 passing yards and 2,000 rushing yards. And yet, at times, this offense seemed like it struggled to get going. Uh, I, I want to start there. The Cowboys' offense obviously improved, but why were they so inconsistent from game to game, from half to half to quarter to quarter this season? <clears throat> I feel like I feel like we're asking and answering this question every, every day now. And it, it's because it, it just, you know, it, it confounds us uh, you know, constantly. And, you know, I think a lot of it is because the, the I found the most, you know, I on my other side job, I kind of solve problems for a living. And I found that obviously the, the most difficult problems to solve are when you have a, a situation where you actually have multiple problems affecting the situation but you're not aware of it, you know? And, and I think as human beings, sure. yeah. we tend to want to break things down to simple simple solutions and, and, and want it to be one thing. Uh, and usually in life, and, and, and especially in complicated systems, uh, it's not one thing. A lot more, more than one thing can go bad. One thing can cause another thing to go bad. And, and, you know, but, you know, and then that can continue on 
along the line. I think that, you know, again, the thing that's so dumbfounding and, and, and kind of disarming to a certain degree that just it confounds you is that they were so good when they were good. You know, I mean, like that's it, right. it wasn't just like, hey, look, they can get a first down. You know, we've all seen bad defenses that, you know, got hot and uh, bad offenses that, you know, got hot and, and suddenly are able to kind of move the ball and score a touchdown. But that's I mean, that's not what, what we're describing. I mean, when they were on, they were unstoppable. <laughs> they were, you know, they were basically yeah, I mean, it's really true. Even when they were off in the to- sum total of the season, they're still the number one offense in football. So think about how high their highs were. It's in order to overcome the lows that they've seen at, on the offense uh, the the highs that they reached were unbelievable at times and, and it wasn't just like you know the first three games we saw that it sprinkled throughout the season you know so there's something in there that is them that is elite you know it, it's about i think we've we've described some of the the, the problems and i think you know Play script. I, I think specifically, you know, their early scripted plays that we talked about, like the first fifteen or twenty plays. It feels like they've really struggled with that, and they've struggled to come off of the script in order to have success early in the games. And usually, you know, that kind of thing happens even when, even in games that the Cowboys might win right like it usually whether or not it becomes detrimental to the team is kind of based on how the defense reacts early on too because if both both sides of the ball are having problems then you don't really notice that you know the other the other the other side is that i think that there has been some unfortunate you know sequencing i think that they've struggled at times to get a hold of all the different um, you know weapons that they have on this team, especially since so many are, were new this season, and you have a new offensive coordinator. I think at times they've they've called the plays right and it's worked out well, but I think that they they just didn't seem to have a great handle on how to use all the players at, at their disposal outside of Dak and Zeke at times. I agree there. It does seem like they had so much talent and they weren't exactly sure how to use them all in the same game, like. How many times have we been, you know, pleading for them to to use Tony Pollard more? I mean, there was there was a stretch I think in the middle of the season where he went like three straight games only seeing a touch or two. Yeah. And we saw how explosive he is. There's really no reason for him not to get on the field. Play like, Jarwin's the same way. It felt like a lot of bunches, you know? Like that's the thing is that it felt like you right, know, the, right. is Tony's the carries would come in bunch much like, you know, how the offense, you know, would kind of be explosive in bunches, and then suddenly which just is, die out. That's not necessarily a bad thing, though, either, right? No. If everything's going good on offense, there's there certainly is going to be games where, you know, hey, it's yeah. like Michael Gallup's game. Let's feed Michael Gallup, and we, we don't have to worry so much about Blake Jarwin and some of the other pieces. Yeah. But when the offense is struggling and you're scoring, you know, nine points in a game, and some of those guys like Tony Pollard or Blake Jarwin or Randall Cobb aren't getting touches – then it's fair to be a, a little concerned or worried. Um, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. I, I do want to talk about some of the positive this offense has yeah. this season. Yeah. Hey, guys. It's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or 
Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, Landon, um, let's talk about some of the positives. We're, it's a new year. I'm going to try to be a, a positive <laughs> person this season. Um, what do you think was the, the most positive thing that we saw from the Cowboys this year? Oh, I mean, I, look, you, you ended up the season uh, number one in total offense. And you did so in kind of commanding fashion. And you did so while having... Four players who are probably the core of that, uh, as far as uh, skill players, who are all under the age, or are all twenty six or younger. Yeah, you know, you know, and that's that's you know, yeah, the leading rusher in the NFL. You've got two eleven uh, hundred yard receivers, um, and all of them are the, the oldest person on that list is your quarterback at twenty six. So. Um, I think that the, you know. I think they've collected a, a, a quite. They've assembled quite a collection of uh, skill players on the offensive side of the ball, and obviously where they are as an offensive line. You know, the I think that the season has been up and down in a lot of different ways. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the rise of Lael Collins. Uh, you know that you want to talk about one specific bright shining spot in all of this, besides maybe. Uh, the ascension of Dak to uh, the next kind of plane of quarterbacks, I would say. You know, Leo Collins at times was the best offensive lineman on this team. I would um, say other than maybe Zach Martin, he was the most consistent all yes, season long. Yes, right? I, I would say Martin, obviously, is still very much Zach Martin and still consistently great. Uh, and Tyron is, you know incredible when, when when we're able to get him and I think he actually felt a little bit healthier this season than last year even I would agree um I, but I think we would be absolute and and listen Connor Williams showed incredible improvement I'm still I think if he can get back uh well and you add in Connor McGovern um, even Suofilo, I feel like, played better than what we had seen him play previously. I, I, I would agree. Yeah, and, we're, I, we're hard on Suofilo. Uh, yeah, we are. And, and, and I, because I think that it was undue credit at times with him, but I, I, I am here to show you that, look, I mean, when he, credit when it's due, and he, I think it's due for him. He played really well before he got injured, and so did Joe Looney, I think, at times as well. So the good news for the Cowboys is that I still think that you know they have a lot of really talented players on the offensive line under contract. I don't think Dak is going anywhere. I don't think Cooper's going no. anywhere. Gallup and Elliott are part of the team. They have an incredible core of young talent on offense that, uh, you know, look, outside of Dallas Cowboys being the uh, premier organization in the league, I probably, you know, as far as visibility and that sort of thing, uh, you know, as far as coaching destinations. You also look at the fact that they have an incredible young quarterback and all these skilled players that, that are, I mean, not signed a contract, but I think you feel confident are staying in town. 
And I think that that makes the 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 Cowboys an incredibly uh, enticing destination. That's why that's why I think you know, this whole talk about well, why haven't they let go of Jason Garrett yet, or, or why why is the slow play so? I think people are are worried about this for no reason. Like, I would. Agree I mean, the, the, yeah. first of all, they're not going to fire Jason Garrett. Second of all, you know, because he it's his contract's up. Contract's <laughs> so uh, they can take their time with this because you know what. The best candidates uh, that are the candidates that they're going to want to go for, they'll wait for the Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm glad that you said that. The, the fish that the Cowboys, the big fish the Cowboys are going to get, they're not going to take a Panthers job or a Browns job uh, instead of you know waiting a week for the Cowboys. Right? Absolutely. If they know that that's a possibility. They are going to wait. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you guys freaking out over Ron Rivera signing with the Redskins. Ron Rivera is uh, just got fired from his last job. I would not be surprised. I would be surprised if someone that the Cowboys hired this year is a coach who just got fired from his previous team. The, the guy, the, the kind of caliber that the Cowboys are going after is the kind of player, the coach that has either walked away from the game because of they've had so so much success that they're coming back into the league, or they are currently having an incredible amount of success in whatever location that they are in currently, and the, uh, the Cowboys coaching job is too much to resist as an upgrade in position. So, or they're still currently coaching right now. Yeah, exactly. That's I think it's much more likely that if that if the person who is our next head coach is not working, it certainly isn't because they just got fired. You know, it's 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 someone that is has taken a few. It's one of the you know the kind of dungy or cow. Not that I'm endorsing these guys. I'm just saying that's a category of coach, right? Oh, that, see, that, I would even say I I wouldn't be surprised if they're actually still coaching. Right oh no now no no no. Totally. There's there's also that category as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm saying there is no category yeah. for the Cowboys of hey this guy just got fired for not doing a good enough job on his previous team that this season. That 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 yeah. that category is not someone that they're really looking at. It, yeah, they're not going up for the Freddy Kitchens and that no, kind of stuff. I mean, no. Freddy Kitchens is a disaster, but you know what I mean. That love, yeah, they're, exactly. They're going, they're going big game hunting yeah. here. Um, I, I want to circle back to the offensive line really quickly because I I do think that's the part of the Cowboys' offense that has me the most optimistic for next year. Uh, just I, I want to bring this up. Last year, the Cowboys had 56 sacks. Uh, they had the second most in the NFL. The only only one team that had more was Houston. Uh, this year, the Cowboys had allowed the second fewest sacks, uh, just 23. The offensive line was better. Dak seemed like he was more comfortable back there. Uh, Lyle Collins, obviously, you mentioned him. Thought he was fantastic. Uh, Connor Williams took a step up. It's an unfortunate that he got hurt. Uh, but this team does have depth. Uh, again, I don't love Xavier Suofilo, but if he's your backup left guard, it's whatever. Hopefully, Connor McGovern takes that spot. Uh, Frederick got better as the season went along. So you're hoping in 2020 with some you know, some injury luck, with some of these guys getting back healthy, uh, that the Cowboys should still have an elite offensive line. Um, I, I do want to talk about the quarterback. Uh, Prescott, obviously, I, I, as much as we love Lyle Collins, I think Prescott's development has to be the biggest story here. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we know that passing success... Uh, is something that does translate from year to year, more than rushing success, more than defense, uh, turnovers. If you can pass the ball well, uh, you're going to have success from year to year. Uh, And that's why I am pretty optimistic about the Cowboys. Prescott looked like a totally different quarterback than what we saw in 2017 and even you know, for most of 2018. He seemed like a guy that you could put the game in his hands uh, and he's going to win more often than not. 
Um, you know, the one thing that you did mention about the Cowboys is the, the depth on this team. Assuming that they re-sign Amari Cooper, and I think both you and I think they're going to bring back Cooper, there's really not many holes on this offense. Like I, I don't think they need to spend a top 100 pick on, anywhere on offense except maybe tight end if Jason Witten leaves. Maybe maybe a slot receiver falls to you and you, you know, you're looking long-term and potentially moving on from Randall, Co- uh, Randall Cobb. Other than that, there's just not a lot of holes on this offense going forward, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, we'll, we're definitely going to have plenty of time to talk about draft. <laughs> but, I mean, sure. as I said, as we said before, just from the 10,000-foot view, the wide receiver class looks like a way that you really could wait until the third round to get still get a very, very Absolutely. good player. Yeah. So so there's not really a rush well, to put... I was say, what makes it even easier is you already have your top two in place. Yeah, so if exactly. If you only need a number three or number four receiver, yeah. you can find those guys pretty yeah. easily after the top 75 picks. And, and you also got some guys in-house that you still really like, too. So you, if you needed to wait sure. even longer, you probably could. Um, <clears throat> but I think that... Um, for tight end, that's the position for me that I, I, I'm circling at this point now because I, I think it's beyond just uh, Jason Witten whether he comes back. I mean, I just don't think Jarwin is is good enough. Um, I, I I think he's something that can be valuable as a uh, pass catching threat to be certain, but his blocking is prohibitive. You know, and 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 there's not really a, a reason to. Uh, I think that they need to find a a, a, a better, more two way player to, for that that provides some use to that position. And I would agree. I because, would agree because I think it's it's you know, and Jason Witten is not going to get any better. You know what I'm saying from here on out as a passer or as a blocker. So either Dalton Schultz needs to take a really big step in this off season. Uh, which you know, listen. I, I think he has a skill set that if he can develop some consistency, he could do. He could be a better two way player than than Jarwin. Um, but I think that you know, if not, you really need to make a concerted effort this off season uh, to in the free agent market. I, and I saw you kicking around uh, David and Joku's name, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm uh, I'm very much on board with that. Uh, you know, if it's through eight, I would. Almost prefer to go that route, a free agent tight end, than go through the draft because of you know the whole learning curve of the position coming into the league. Look no further than David David Njoku, exactly. He's a perfect example, right? That's a guy that the Browns drafted in 2017. They're three years in now, and they they're just not sure if they want to give him a big contract. I will guarantee you that he has more success on his next team because he's only 23 years old. Yeah. It, it just takes that position a long time to, to get up to speed. That's Sorry, right. Go ahead. No, no, absolutely. I think that's the great example of exactly what I'm talking about. That position specifically, especially if you want a two-way player, it, it needs uh, some seasoning. It needs some time. And, and you know, I'll take uh, three years of the Browns, you know, uh, time spent on the player uh, and, see, and see what I can do with that level of athleticism. I mean, I, I remember very much – how I felt about David and Joku coming yeah. out. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, as I say, I'll throw out OJ Howard's name. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, absolutely. I know some yeah. teams kicked him around. You know, at the trade deadline, Tampa wanted a little bit too much, but it wouldn't shock me if a team called Tampa this offseason and said, "Hey, we'll give you our second or third round pick," and Tampa said yes because it's going to be a similar situation where you know they've got a ton of receivers. He's going to want some some you know some big cap money. Wouldn't shock me if they moved. I would. I would throw a second round pick for OJ Howard right now 
without I, I a, without say. a doubt because I think I have a true belief in that player coming out. Obviously, he went to a system in Tampa Bay that didn't get better when uh, when they brought in the new coach who isn't exactly a fan of throwing to the tight end too much, anyways. Yep. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that he just kind of got caught in a situation, and uh, yeah, I, I believe that he still has incredible value to a team that could get him and put him in the right situation. Um, but outside of that, I agree. I think for for the Cowboys, the, their offense, you know, skill talent, skill wise, is good. I, I think the problem turned into an issue where you had an offensive coordinator who was learning on the job, had some really good ideas. I, I still believe in Kellen Moore in a lot of ways, uh, and am kind of conflicted about whether where I want him on my team if he would come back in some capacity next year, even without Garrett. Um, but I think that um, you know, I think that. It was enough that it was a, a, a offensive coordinator still trying to figure out what he's doing. You know, a head coach who had a strong opinion on how, probably how he wanted things to be done. Um, and there's a lot of different voices uh, kind of getting in the head, and, and I think it, it pulled the direct the offense in a lot of different directions. I, I think that the offense needs a, a stronger singular voice to me. I would agree, um, and, yeah. and that's yeah, more, more so than anything on personnel, right? Yeah, exactly. They just need somebody leading them. Um, the thing I would say about their offense, really quickly, um, is I feel pretty good that they could go into next season without making any big changes, right? Basically, bringing back all the same people and still be a top seven, eight offense because that's oh, how yeah. talented they are. Easy, uh, and that's and that makes you feel good that you know this off season uh, they can use some of their resources, their draft picks, and building the other side of the ball. And they'll still be really good. Um, you know, really quickly, I think Michael Gallup is a player who we saw a much improved player in the second half of the season. Yeah. Assuming that ascension continues to happen, uh, this offense still has you know a, a lot of room for improvement. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll we'll talk about what this team needs to improve on that side of the ball this year. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Landon. uh, You mentioned before we went to break about how the Cowboys need a stronger voice uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Is that all they're really missing to becoming a, a more consistent you know, offense, obviously they're, they're really talented. They have a high ceiling. But for them to be a team that scores, you know, 27 points every week, is that what they need? Yeah, I mean, I really think that you know, consistency alone makes this, a yeah, like a 27 to 29 point a game team, I think, just based on talent. I think, yeah. I think if you were to include some actual stable creativity to this offense though um i mean this is this could be a very special mix of players and and, um i think that's why you know normally i'm not necessarily all in on kind of um you know more x's and o's young you know mind offensive mind because i feel like there's issues there but i 
I think if you can find a strong defensive coordinator who has, a, you know, maybe some head coaching background or something and pair him with someone like a Lincoln Riley. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I think that that could work is because I just think that the with the pieces that you have, you don't have to worry about him going shopping for, for pieces, you know, because I think you, you hope that obviously he can make it work with what's in-house. But if right. you added that level of kind of creativity to, this, to the players that are on this team – uh, you know, it's it doesn't just get you for, to good. It gets you to potentially, you know, unstoppable explosive level. The you know, you look at what's going on in Baltimore. The the, the players mixed with the scheme. When when that when that when that mm-hmm. when that mixture when that's you know when someone makes that sandwich just right. You know, the the flavor is amazing. And obviously, I haven't eaten lunch yet, but um, and, and no, but I mean, you know, what I'm saying like, yeah, there's always. Well, I think that's why there's so much interest in that offensive yeah, coordinator, yeah. there, right? I think. Well, I mean, I, yeah, because I, well, I, I think normally they're, you know, are you talking about Roman now? Because oh yeah, yeah, because I think I agree. You know, I think that's that's the thing is that I think it's about finding a, a fit, you know, and finding it, and, and when you find the right fit, and it and it's a good, you know. He's a good schemer. He's actually good at, at, at X's and O's, so he can add some creativity. Plus, it works well with what you've got. I mean, that's that's makes a really dangerous combo. The question I think, you know, with Roman specifically, and we again, we're not getting, we won't get too much into this yet. Is is uh, you know what does it require uh, speed at the quarterback position in order for the run game to work like that, or is this something that you know? Where Dak could take yeah. e- cheap, sh- cheap, easy yards, and it still would be successful running the football and, and my, be able to get guess, down the slide. I, I, I say, my, I don't want to talk too much about Roman because we'll say this in another show. But my my guess is that Roman is, is such a good offensive coordinator yep. that he would find different ways yep. to, to to protect Dak and give him, uh, you know, give him some easy runs. So, and if he, real quick, I, I, you also think about the offensive line too that has success already. This offensive line has uh, experience in blocking and multiple blocking schemes too, which would yeah. be perfect for him. I mean, there's a lot of things that make that fit make sense. I, I would be really interested to see what a Greg Roman offense would look like with this talent. I mean, uh, he, he's not known for his passing concepts, but man. Some of the things that Baltimore did in both the run game and the pass game this year was pretty phenomenal. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about again about these head coaching candidates when the time comes. Real quick, uh, real, we'll talk real yeah. quick. Just to ponder while you wonder, what would happen if you hired Greg Roman and maybe were able to retain Kellen Moore as your offensive coordinator and then find a way to hodgepodge those offenses together? Now that's fun. Now that that might be a little bit wishful thinking there, but that would be that would be really fun. Yeah. Um, Think about that. Yeah, and that's man. Some of these possibilities, man. We we, we just got to do this for a separate show. Maybe yep. we're just gonna have to do a show on every candidate. I mean, talk about that kind of stuff because yep. man, some of this stuff is uh, gonna be fast. There's a lot of angles. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, we'll do a show on the defense. What went right? What with, what went wrong with them? Uh, maybe later this week. Maybe next week. Uh, again, we'll keep you up to date on any Jason Garrett news that we get. Uh, make sure you follow the show at Laton Cowboys. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow me at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time. Is-
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.